Hi, and welcome to the podcast ministry of New Life Church in Springfield, Ohio. We hope that the transformative truths of God's Word impact, challenge, and bless you. You know, even in my study and preparation to deliver this message, I learned some things that I never knew about Joshua, and maybe it will um, apply to you, or it will bless you, or help you to you know, gain some kind of understanding and knowledge about this you know, mighty man of God. Hopefully it will be a blessing to you, but Joshua is the man. Joshua is a powerful, powerful figure uh, in the Old Testament, and he had seen some stuff, amen? You know what his name means? His name means God is salvation. God is salvation. So, and Joshua's got an interesting backstory because I always kind of you know, put him in a different generation than Moses a little bit. And then uh, it was like Joshua was in the driver's seat and Caleb was kind of like you know, in the sidecar. And uh, you know, he was kind of, they worked together like that. But the more that I studied and even kind of learned about you know, their, their age you know, brackets, um, Joshua's a little bit in the sidecar to Moses. Um, and then you know, Caleb's in the sidecar of the sidecar. But he's, he, he has a very similar story. I didn't really understand understand a lot about it, but we think of Joshua um, as the, the man of God who is, uh, who is there at the walls of Jericho. You know, he's in charge. He is leading the charge. He's, you know, he's kind of you know, dispensing God's justice. He's a mighty, mighty man of God, and I never think of Joshua without a sword. Can you imagine him in chains, of this new promised land? That's, isn't that how you think of Joshua? Can you imagine him in chains? Or uh, as the slave to the, um, you know, to, to the Egyptians, because that's how his story begins. He's not the conqueror. And, and it kind of like, I always kind of put him in the next generation, but he really was. Like, he knew what it was like to be whipped and, and punished and told what to do and attacked and, and demeaned. I really didn't understand all that about Joshua. But he was, he was definitely born a slave in Egypt, and we see him in the conqueror you know, role, but he's, that's not where he started at. You know, according to, uh, you know, and this is extra biblical, but according to uh, Hebrew um, scholars and, uh, and research, um, his story, because he is very, he's close to Moses in age, he's got a very similar story to Moses. You know, we, we always, you know, he kind of goes in the background, we don't really think about that. Um, but according to Hebrew t- tradition and writings, um, he was saved from the great purge that they tried to kill Moses. You remember they tried to kill all the male children, you know, throw them in the Nile and, and kill all the male children. And Moses had to be put into a, a small basket that was covered with waterproofing substance and then launched out into the Nile. And the unbelievable story of how, you know, the princess snatches him up and keeps him as her own and God raises him up. Everybody remembers this, right? Joshua's story is the same way almost. He was actually launched out into the Nile, too, to save his life. Now, like I said, this is, this is not in, you know, in, in Scripture. It's you know, according to the historicity around it, so you know, don't build your doctrine on that. But uh, his story is so very, very similar. He was launched out into, you know, into the Nile according to tradition, according to research, and, and the same way as Moses. And I'm telling you, Sister Phillips, you know, this now, that was a confirmation from God. Because this is what, let me share, you know, something that's not really in my message, but God has redirected my heart a little bit. Is that okay? Because as I began to pray over this message, you know, even before we started service and while I was still in the office um, and just, you know, trying to get, you know, get the mind of God, get the heart of God, I do that before, you know, the hour before service. It's very important to me that I seek God and just purge all of the thoughts and try and get as close to him and what he's trying to do as possible. And as I begin to pray and seek God, I began to see, you know, in my mind's eye, not like this vision, this, you know, ethereal thing in the office was suddenly glowing from within, and that would have been awesome, but it's not how it usually works with me. It's more of just like, huh, 
ooh, and then I just start to pray about it, <laughs> and then God begins to move. That's more my revelation process. It's not like some people, no burning bush, but here's what I saw. And so I just began to pray and think about that because I knew about Moses' story when that, that one boy, this baby precious boy, was launched out into the river, and that he Inside him, the destiny that God had packed in him was the destiny of a savior. To save and deliver, you be the agent of deliverance for the children of Israel. And that he was out there and he had to be plucked out of the river that was he was supposed to be thrown into without that ark. He was supposed to be drowned. And I, I, I'd known that before, but then I started to look and I saw another one. And it was Joshua's basket. And then God began to deal with me in my spirit, and I saw another one, and another one, and another one. And God began to deal with my heart, saying that the, the salvation, the conquerors that I would raise up among you, you need to, as a church, begin to reach in to the river and to draw them out unto you. You need to go into the highways and byways. You need to love those uh, who, who, don't, who are just babies and they don't have uh, you know, any, any installed values or, or walk with God. They're the ones who, who don't maybe come from anything but you know, the most broken of homes. You need to reach out and begin to draw those into you because there is a river that is overflowing. And as you look down, you see these children, these precious young people. And not only is it our response, Responsibility, but church, I say to you, it is our salvation as a church that we go out and we draw these people. If we intend to have any kind of future at this church, if we intend to do something about the enemy's stranglehold of sin on people's lives, we have got to commit ourselves to the sacrificial ministry of reaching out and drawing those babies out of the river. And I just began to see it all throughout Springfield. Coming down 40, I saw these baskets that were just floating, and they remained unclaimed, and they floated on by. And we have got to be a church with a heart for those who are lost. They may not be babies. They maybe just act like babies. <laughs> There's a lot of those too, but they've got to be reached out and drawn into our grasp, into our love, into our church. And we've got to disciple. We've got to love. We've got to care about them. We've got to raise them up. Because in them we may find our next great, our next great evangelist. God spoke that to my heart. Our next piano player may be in one of those baskets. The next pastor of New Life Church, because I won't always be here, may be in one of those baskets. Oh, church, we have got to be passionate. We have got to be convinced. We have got to be serious about drawing those lost. For our sake as well as theirs. I didn't know that about Joshua, did you? What if neither one of them had been drawn in from the river? Where does that leave the children of Israel? No Moses, no Joshua, no deliverer, and no conqueror for the things that God had promised them. Amen. That is a charge for us today as a body, as a congregation, as, as the people of God. We have got to be passionate, and more than passionate, because passion burns and waxes hot and cold. You're passionate right now. I see it on your faces. We won't be as passionate whenever we're you know, at El Toro later. You might be passionate about El Toro. I've seen some passionate people about food. See, We need to not just leave it on the mantle and then feel conviction when we're here and then do nothing when we leave.
We have got to be passionate and consistent about winning the loss. Amen? Amen. So I told you, Joshua's seen some stuff. He started his story um, in a basket. And he was, I don't know, I don't know the story, but he was, he was drawn in and he was spared. You know, he was raised up. And so he got to be in Moses' generation as one of the conquerors. Think of the things that Joshua's seen. He was huddled together, you know, with maybe a couple others. He was huddled there together um, as the angel of death. And you heard the screams all around, you know, all around the city as those who, were, who did not have, you know, the, the blood on their doorposts. And the angel of death passed by taking the firstborn. Uh, he, 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 Joshua, as far as I understand, he is the eldest there. And I wonder if the fear gripped his heart as he huddled in the darkness, you know, behind the eaves of his own doorposts, thinking, you know, oh, I pray, I pray that God would pass me by. The angel of death, he, he was there for that. He was there for all ten plagues. He had seen a lot. Can we agree? He had witnessed every plague. He was standing on the western banks of the Red Sea when it opened up. And he was standing on the eastern banks when it closed. He's seen some stuff. Seen it close on Pharaoh who was persecuting, who was, who was you know, coming after the children of Israel. And seen God wash away that you know, for, for good and always, he had delivered his people. He saw this stuff. He was the leader of a small band of soldiers in their first battle against the Amalekites, which they, you know, God gave them the victory. And so he was learning to fight. He, he had seen some stuff. You know, he was one of the 12 spies that went in to scout out the promised land to see if, you know, what it was like. You know, and, and came back, you know, saying, we are well able to do this thing. We can take the land, and guess what? The land's worth taking. He came back with a proper report. What I was talking about earlier, a certain sound, and, and I kind of you know, trailed off there like I do. I was talking about in the Holy Spirit, we want to have a certain sound because the Word of God says in 1 Corinthians 14, um, if, if the trumpet sounds or the horn sounds uncertainly, um, then who is going to know to go to battle? Like, what are we going to be able to, like, you know, if, if there's confusion in the ranks, we're not going to be able to do what we're supposed to do, and it's going to cause you know, uh, dissipation and confusion in the body, but a certain sound, a horn that blows, and you know for sure, we're charging. We, we are going. We know what's going on. Joshua came back, and he gave a certain sound, and I wish that some of us would give that certain sound from time to time, even in the midst of your trouble and your struggle, even when you come up to something that, that seems insurmountable to you, you can still say, I know that God is able to deliver me and to take me to where I'm called to go. I know that this thing in front of me is not too big for God, and, and I'm going to testify, and, and I, it's not going to be a question, do I think that God, or I hope that he does. I know that he is able. I'm talking about a certain sound sound, a sound of confidence in who God is. I want to give a certain sound. I know whom I have believed in, and I am persuaded that he is able. I am certain of who he is. He came back, and he said, we are well able to take this land. Now, 10 others, you know, you know a lot of times when you put things to, to a vote, you know, the uh, You'll get Barabbas more often than you'll get Jesus. Let me just say that. You know, sometimes, you know, let me give you that word right there. Make sure the, certain, the sound that you're listening to is worth hearing. Amen? Know what, you know, you can always love and be encouraging and stuff, but if you're taking spiritual advice, why don't you make sure, be a little discerning and make sure that that person has some spiritual sense and has some reason, um, you know, for the last several years or however long. You, you know that they are consistent in their walk with God. You know that they hear from God, and you know that it's not just parroting a bunch of other nonsense that they're feeling, because a lot of times, you know, counsel you kind of have to seek after. The worst advice I've ever heard has been offered to me. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. The best counsel I've ever had, I had to ask for. 
Amen. Amen. Think about that. Let that marinate. The worst advice is usually what's used to offer. Okay. But I tell you what, you know, whenever, you know, whenever I'm getting my taxes done, you know, by a professional or somebody, I, you know, I, I want somebody who's got more answers than they have questions. You know, I want somebody who knows what they're talking about. I know I've had both. I went down to H&R Block, you know, a while back. I didn't end up using them. And I asked him a very simple question. And he did the thing where I know that people are on Facebook while I'm preaching. Um, you know, he, he was Googling on his screen my question. And I could see, like, the reflection of the, his screen in his glasses. But, Lenny, that's not what I'm into. I was like, I can do that. I was trying to know something. I, 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 I want, why, you know, why, why are you Googling, you know, the simple questions that I have for you? I want somebody who already knows. I want somebody who's got some truth packed down deep inside them. So when I say, how can I pray about this? Or I don't understand how this can happen. I want them to say, thus saith the Lord. I want that kind of knowledge packed down. I don't want to Google what you need to do or what you need to pray about. I want somebody with a certain sound. Somebody who says, I have seen God move and I know what his word declares and I know how he operates. And I'm telling you, this is God. And that ain't, that's what I like whenever, I, I like advice that's pretty, you know, that, that's confident for a reason, amen, with experience and understanding and discernment. He'd seen a whole generation, though, also backslide and go after false gods. He'd seen, he'd seen some uncertain things in his life. I mean, he'd seen the walls of Jericho crumble, but he'd also seen a golden calf. Be made as soon as Moses went to go and get a word from God, get the, you know, get, get the Ten Commandments. And he, he, it didn't take them no time at all. It's amazing. You know, if you ever want to be amazed, just go read the Bible and see how quickly people can turn their eyes away from what is true and good and obvious. That'll blow your mind, won't it? I'll be like, What? They're doing what? They've, they've, they've walked away from what? They've done, you know, they're, they're doing what? What? Old Testament to New Testament. It didn't, take, it didn't take Moses enough time to hardly get up to the summit before they're already building a false idol to replace the God who, who is, who's just done the, the, the ten commandments or the, the ten plagues. To replace him who had just brought him into the land. You know, and Paul, Paul you know, Paul's my guy in the New Testament. You know what he says in Galatians? Wow. Now, he said, I marvel. But that's, that's how I would say it. That's how you might say it now. He said, wow. I'm almost impressed at how quickly you backslided. You backslid. You have backslidden. <laughs> Thou hast backslidden. He's like, that. I'm all, I'm like, he's like if, if it wasn't a heaven or hell thing, I would be impressed. If it wasn't so horrible. He really does say this. He start, and he's writing to the Galatians. And, I, and I, sometimes I think he just writes mad. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, I marvel at how quickly you have turned aside to another gospel, which is not another gospel. Man. I can't remember which one of the uh, Reformation preachers said this, Second Reformation. But he said, there is no new gospel that is not a false gospel. Come on, somebody. That's what Paul is frustrated about. Even, even back then, you know, he's writing to the Galatians, I cannot believe you people. I, can't, I cannot believe, you know, I marvel you know, at, at how quickly you have, you have done this. Like, I'm almost impressed at your propensity to backslide. That is not the kind of impressing I want to do of God. Yeah. 
I would like God to be impressed by my faith or, you know, just my, my you know, something like that. Yeah, it's hard to impress God. I don't really think I'm ever going to be able to impress God. But, but if he was going to say, well, you know, I compliment that, you know, that I, would like, I would not like it to be written into, you know, into Scripture. I'm impressed at how bad you are being and how quickly you have turned aside. But I'm telling you, people have that natural tendency, and we is people. Amen. We're not talking about those people. We're talking about these people. Our body. God didn't give me this message for another church. You know, and I'm part of the church. Amen. We need to look at the things of God and be accountable to them. Amen. It's easy when you get your mind off God. All of us. Anyone who thinks that they're above it, you're about to run smack into it. Amen. We've got to keep our eyes on God. Don't matter how long you've been saved, don't matter what you don't matter if you're the pastor or the evangelist or the Sunday school teacher, don't matter who you are, it's easy to take our eyes off God because we put our eyes on other things. Amen? They finally arrived at this place, though. So um, let, let's, uh, let's read our text. It's going to be, that's eh, not that long. Yeah, Joshua 24. It's good, though. It's so good. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. Somebody say Shechem. Shechem. And called for the elders of Israel for their heads... Not to be cut off, but like the, the bosses, like you know, the, the headmen, the people. Because you, know, you don't want to get that wrong. <laughs> he did not call for the heads to be cut off. He called for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people. See, this is not Joshua. This is Joshua speaking for God. Thus says the Lord God of Israel. Your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Naor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times. And they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river, led him Isaac, I gave Jacob and Esau, and multiplied his descendants, and gave him Isaac. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, to Esau I gave the mountains of Seir to possess, but Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. Also I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to what I did among them afterward. I brought you out. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea, is what I'm talking about. Then they cried out to the Lord, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, and brought the sea upon them, and covered them, and your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. Then you dwelt in the wilderness a long time. And in the subtext there, and it was your fault. It was their fault, because they sinned against God. They would not believe. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites who dwelt on the other side of the Jordan, and they fought with you. But I gave them into your hand that you might possess their land. And I destroyed them from before you. This is interesting. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, the king of Moab, arose to make war against Israel, and he sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. You remember this? For those of you, this is a wild story. You need to read it. Balaam's donkey. Yeah. Balaam, he goes, you know, real, real short you know, snippet there. Um, Balaam wants to curse the children of Israel, wants to come against them. And, uh, and God had an angel with a sword standing in the way. There's something between the curse and the people of God. Amen? So there's a lot packed into that subtext. And we can just read right through and you blow right through it, Brother Keith. And then you don't think about what it took, what God had to do to make sure that the curse failed. Oh, it's so tempting to preach about five minutes on, on the curse that failed. But anyway, anyway, man, I, 
Okay, I got I got, we got to move. Somebody say, we got to move. Thank you, Darian. He arose to make war against Israel and sent and called Balaam, the son of Baor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Therefore, he continued to bless you. That's a, that's a good word right there. God said, I chose not to listen to those who cursed you. I didn't listen to what people said you were. And every curse that issued forth, I turned into a blessing over you. Somebody get their victory right there. Hallelujah. The curse is failed. The curse tried to go forth, but there was, there was an angel with, the, with a flaming sword standing in the way. And everybody, including the donkey, knew better. Amen. Whenever God's standing in the way, what, what can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus? Amen. Not the curse. The curse is broken in Jesus' name. I delivered you out of, out of his hand, and you went over to the Jordan, came to Jericho, and the men of Jericho fought against you. Also the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Gergesites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Amen. Got right through it. But I delivered them into your hand, and I sent the hornet before you which drove them out before you also, the two kings of the Amorites, but not with your sword or your bow. Here, here's, here's my scripture right here. Are you ready? I have given you a land for which you did not labor and cities which you did not build. And you dwell in them and you eat the vineyards and the olive groves which you did not plant. I'm talking to you about the blessings of God. Now, I tell you what, God began to just deal with me about what he has done in my life and the blessing that he has been over me. When I came here to pastor this church, the door to the pastor's office was locked and we had to break in. And when we did, underneath the desk there, there were two little shoes that were a little small for me, but in some ways maybe too big for me to fill. And God began to deal with my heart and say, I have given you this opportunity and men of God have gone before you. You didn't build this building and you didn't build this congregation and you won't be the one to do it. But I, through my mighty power, through the anointing of my Holy Spirit, can do that. And all that you can do is to come into agreement with who I am. And I begin to thank God in this morning in the office for those men of God whose shoulders we stand upon, who have kept the faith, who have declared what Joshua is about to declare. They have seen God and they have seen the enemy they have stood on the eastern side of the sea and on the western they understand the full context of the faithfulness of God and what he has wrought he is God and he is worth serving he began to step into that leadership role knowing it wasn't going to be about him or what he could do in his own power but he had seen the power of God he had seen the faithfulness of God and Joshua declares this he declares this now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river of Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served, which were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
And I'm telling you, I know this. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I don't care what everybody else is doing. I don't care what kind of gods are on that side of the river. I don't care what's going on in front of me right now. I have made up my mind because I, like Joshua, have seen the full context of who God is. I know what it's like to backslide, and I know what it's like to be redeemed. I know what it's like to be cursed, and I know what it's like to see the curse broken over my life. I know what it's like to be in bondage and to be delivered. And let me tell you, with all I know and that all I have seen, I can tell you this one thing. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You do what you got to do. You go where you got to go. You find your satisfaction where you must find it. But as for me and my house, I have seen too much. For me and my house, I am sold on the goodness of God. So the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods, for the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Anybody know about that house? The house of bondage. See, Joshua did. He knew what it was like to be inside. He knew where the false gods led. He said, I stand here with a sword in my hand, but I know what it's like to have chains on them. I know where God has brought me from. Let me tell you, if you, you need a breakthrough. You need to see what you've already broken through a little more clearly. You need to start to look to the things that God has done and already spoke over your life, what he has already brought you through. Out of the house of bondage, he did great signs in our sight. I've seen God heal. I've seen God manifest himself and preserved us all the way that we went and among the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out them before all of us, including the people, including the Amorites who dwell in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Amen. Every saint of God has a past and a future. Yes, there was a time when we did not serve God. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been in this way. I don't care if you're here and you're, you know, you're a visitor and you've not, you're not, you don't serve the Lord. I don't care where you're at. I do, but not in the context of what I'm saying. There was a time when we didn't serve God. Wasn't super long ago, someone tried to remind me of some of the mistakes that I had made. They didn't come out and say it, but, you know, almost, almost trying to make me feel like, you know, what are you doing working for the Lord? What are you doing pastoring? What are you doing ministering? Because, you know, you, we used to run the same trails, and, you know, we used to, you know, say the same things and kind of act the same way and act out. And I don't know why. At first, you know, it kind of made me feel scared. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe there's a, you know, a, a seed of truth to it, you know? Because I, I know I haven't lived a perfect life. I haven't always served God the way that I ought to. And so if you're not careful, you let the curse bypass the word. And the Holy Spirit rose up in me. Amen. Josh, the Holy Spirit rose up in me. You know what I said? I smarted off. You know what I said? I said, hey, buddy, you don't even know the half of it. And I walked away. 
I said, you don't even know how unworthy I am in myself. So what you say doesn't affect me because I know that whatever you think that I might have done or, or done wrong, you don't know the half. Because his grace was greater than my sin. And he had, I know that I have been to the river and I've come out clean. Hallelujah. You, you can try to bring me down. You can try to discourage me and bring up things in my past. But, buddy, let me tell you, let me do it for you because I can recall things that you can't recall. I can tell you of the time when I strayed or the thoughts that I had or the way that I walked or the criticism that I gave people or the evilness of my own heart and mind whenever I was lost and did not know him. You know, you're not even in a good enough position uh, to, to bring all of those accusations against me. Stand back and watch me do it because I would know more than you. But even through all of that, there is nothing hidden but there's a lot that has been wiped clean. There's a lot that's now clean. I've been to the river and I've come out clean. You don't know what all God has had to do for me so that he can do just a little bit through me. And you don't need to. But I know he did it. I know that he did it. Joshua had seen things that, that I've seen. Seen people, you know, coming and going, do well for a little while, and then go back to their sinful ways. You know, and I pray for them. God loves them and wants to draw them to himself. But I'll tell you this right here. I cannot go back to what I left on the other side of the river. It's too late for me. I'm not going back. Heavenly Father, we are in desperate need of a generation who will stand for your truth. Having seen what we have seen and known what we have known, failed where we have failed, been on both sides of the river, we stand, God, I stand in judgment of none. I judge no one. Now, your word does. But I have been on both sides of the river, so out of my own righteousness and perfection, I judge none. But having been a sinner and a saint, having known hunger and fullness, peace and despair, having been on the east side and the west side of the river, I will serve you. I will serve you. I have made up my mind. I'm not turning back now. I know what it's like to be good, and I know what it's like to do wrong. But you are good, and your mercy endure forever. <laughs>